It's like I like I questioned everything. Wow, because on yeah. the previous podcast, you're like, like I'm not that Byron guy that yeah. takes hallucinogenics. I was, yeah, I was just like, I, I don't want to be that cliche. And I think that was a part of like a shame thing of just kind of like, am I letting down like my family? Am I letting down my mentors? I'm just becoming that washed up, that cliche story. <laughs> Like the Seventh Day Adventist poster boy flying around the world, traveling 40 countries, preaching the gospel, the pastor in Chicago, the chaplain in Campsie. And I'm just this washed up dude wearing fucking makeup <laughs> and just like, just become from the poster boy to the pariah, you know? Yeah. Like, like, and so in myself, I felt shame with that. I'm like, I've just become the thing that I preached against for the last 10 years. Yeah. I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people, categorizing of humans and ideas, you have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being, to who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas, these things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. This Choircast podcast is brought to you by The Joy of Letting Go by Kevin Sweeney. When one of the great living mystics, Richard Rohr, writes, all great spirituality is somehow about letting go. Do we just skim by it and look for the next great quote? Or do we allow this truth to utterly change our relationship with God, humanity, and reality itself? And if we accept letting go as the key to transformation... The question becomes how? How is each life altering step of the spiritual journey somehow about letting go? Well, my new book, The Joy of Letting Go, is the answer to that question. My dream is that everyone who reads this will open up to the possibility that to engage everything from the concrete to the cosmic and from the tiniest arguments with your partner to the biggest social tragedies of our time without losing our joy. We have to learn how to let go. G'day and welcome back to another episode of the Ideas Digest podcast where we two optimistic, fun-loving, great, well-intentioned blokes explore challenging ideas around us in order to open our minds, humanize the people we disagree with and just, I guess, become more enlightened people every day. My name's Conrad. And this is Matt. I'd like to welcome uh, the podcast friends of the show and super friends of the show. They went to ideasdigest.org, signed up to support the show. These are the people that really believe, like probably many of you, that more dialogue is better than less and understanding is better than vilifying and arguing with people. So Matt and I, each week, we try and understand different ideas from different people. And if you believe that that's important, your support keeps us going. You get it ad-free and you get bonus content each week. And Matt and I open up a little bit in the bonus content. We're a bit honest. We argue a, a few. <laughs> we do argue a little bit. Which, by the way, we argue a lot outside of the show. So it's all good. <laughs> Just argue in general. Um, this is why we're such good friends. And they save us from the algorithm. Oh, don't get me started on the war of the algorithm, but how do they save us from the almighty algorithm gods? Well, each week we stand in an abyss called the algorithm and it's like Google and there's like, even, even I'm like, you would say like the different, like Silicon Valley is just like turned into this morphing monster. Telling us like, to like clickbait, join us, come click out of, base. bring it out of context, yes. vilify that vilify guy, them. cut it down and make them look like an idiot yes. <laughs> and go ultra left or ultra right yeah, to, yeah. to form a Feed community. your audience. Yeah. And like, well, no, actually, to be honest, we confess our judgments. I'm like, me and Conrad go, time. I think it's time. 
more ad revenue. Yeah, so we're like, it's time to jump. And then, super friends, you hold us back yeah. from the abyss. From the, from the abyss. Now, speaking of the almighty God that we're kind of at war with, the algorithm gods, you can help us fight the war with the algorithm by sharing us with a friend who was someone who might agree or disagree with the particular episode we have. How do you do that when our show is so controversial at times? Well, we have friends of the show email in how they share it. We love the unique ways in which they share. They send us screenshots of messages. This one, Matt, comes in from Stevenson779. Okay. Numbers, great. I love it. And he, he shows us a screenshot and he sends it to his sister. <laughs> it's a good start. We know how this is going to go. And he says, you're a feminist, aren't you? And then he screenshotted the episode uh, with friend of the show, Will Spencer. Uh, I believe the episode is called, Can You Understand Sexist Men Who Like Jordan Peterson? I'm sure, I think our listenership went up one, one that week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So feel free to share with someone who you think will agree and we or might disagree. have got a one-star review. Uh, oh, if you, you can leave a five-star review if you like. That's a great way to support. But Matt, let's get into it. This week, this is, this is you. This is all you, man. Yeah. Give us the context. Well, I feel like I've been in the Ideas Digest nest and like Conrad's been feeding me, just been regurgitating my mouth and he's like, Matthew, you need to learn to fly on your own, do your own interview. Interview your own. <laughs> so I took my wings out and I flew. Pushing from the nest. Yeah, he pushed me from the nest and um, well, in the context, my one of your most controversial <laughs> podcasts was my brother-in-law. One of the highest lessons we've gotten in the, wow. st in the stat deck. Yeah, wow. Billy would love that stat. <laughs> I thought we need to get a part two because Billy is an ever-evolving soul. So the episode you're referring to that is the most controversial for friends of the show who might be newly joining us, always welcome here. It was called In and Then Out of Christian Fundamentalism. Why was it controversial? We have spies, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, do we, oh, we do. We have spies. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool, right? So we're in the espionage with Ideas Digest and um, some of our spies reported in sort of like Game of Thrones. They come into the silence of the night and they hand us pieces of paper. Yeah. We open the pieces of paper and it's just like, Billy's podcast yeah. has been doing its rounds through church hierarchy. Oh, man. Okay, so recap for Billy and Billy's episode. Mm -hmm. I spoke to him about going hard out, like almost becoming a pastor in Advent... Oh, should I say that thing? Oh, ah, it's in the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Almost becoming a pastor in Adventism. And then he left... And he was just being open and honest about going, becoming really fundamentalist mm. and then becoming really not. Yes. And so you're saying that that episode was circling What's amongst that? the big dogs. Yes. Like the, the pastors, like passing around. Yeah, the, higher, the higher hierarchy in, in the Australian part of the church, because Billy was obviously an influential speaker. And it, it wasn't all bad. Like, no, I actually... It wasn't like a lot of people were just saying... They're curious. We, how do we... No, it was a curiosity. Well, I think there was a hate... Okay. You're going to see some hate. <laughs> okay, okay. And there was also some people saying, how do we prevent, how do we, how do we prevent this happening? Which I can respect mm. because friends of the show listening, which we do have friends of the show who are pastors, who are high up in churches, who actually appreciate our practice of understanding new ideas. I did lose my job from other parts of the church that didn't appreciate what I was doing. But ultimately, people like, I personally know lots of people that, yeah, appreciate that conversation. And I guess there was curiosity there. But then there was also perhaps maybe a bit of fear about what he was saying or... Yeah, well, I think like... I So this is what I did, Conrad. So I was like, I heard about like all of this. I heard like we had like these spies giving us in the dead of the night. Saying that I just died. Hey, actually, I could share a text with you though. That came from some of these circles. Um, the, the text goes, and I've got it here. If you value your walk with God, don't listen to Ideas Digest. 
So I think that could have come from some of the circles that was less curious and more you like have that feel with that little piece in the night under your door. <laughs> <laughs> Bing. <laughs> oh, it's a text message. We live in and 2022. Like, Connor folds it up. He's like, algorithm gods, I'm coming for you. <laughs> Clickbait contact. Uh, how did it feel? I'd say I liked it. Okay. Any attention is good attention for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hey, like, whatever. Okay. Yeah. But like, to, to be fair, some people that are fundamentalists got quite offended by some of the things he said. Yeah. And I don't want people to get offended. Yeah, yeah. And, no. uh, but I yeah. was confused. And so I was like, because I didn't listen to the entire thing. I think I tuned in for part of the live when you did it. Um, but I didn't see the oh, entire... Com- some friend you are. How'd you get on the show? <laughs> Come on. Seriously. It was back in the day where I was finding my way. So okay. I took towards Ideas Digest. Yeah, yeah. The lofty mountain of being in the middle. Yeah, nice. Thank you. We're all in the middle. So... The fact, uh, I listened to it again before yeah. I did the interview with Billy. Okay. And then I was like, okay, what was so controversial about this? Okay, so you're trying to piece it together. Yeah, right? yeah I'm trying yeah, to piece yeah. it together. You came did a great job asking questions. Um, and obviously, being a brother-in-law, I understand. An you're aspect. very close. Yeah, yeah, so I've got high levels of bias going into this interview. And, um, and so obviously of love, care and protection. And I listened to it, I'm like, it wasn't that dramatic. Right, okay. You, yeah. you're like, you're but I think it was just what... I think because Billy was an ex-youth speaker and like... He was very influential, yeah. He was influential in his part, well, part of uh, the church that he was part of. Um, and he's also very outspoken, so I guess it was just... And he's honest, But right? honestly, like, I just thought, yeah, that was my honest thing. I was listening to him, I'm like, meh. Okay. Don't quite understand what the big issues yeah, are. Yeah. But someone that is on, is potentially a pastor. I yeah. get where you're coming, coming from a pastoral perspective. I get it. Um that maybe you're like, okay, if kids would let that hear the yeah, influence, yeah, yeah. would have listened to this, they'd be like, well, how do I handle it now? Right, we need to equip them. Yeah, we need to like deal with this. And I think that's what, I think which, people in good context were just trying to be like, oh, okay, this is what happened. Which is, if you understand the show, uh, like I'm here to just kind of place it there and go, uh, I just want to understand where he's coming from. You exactly, know? Like, yeah. People could say, oh, it's, I'm leading people astray, but we're just curious, we fear no idea, you know. So I can understand how people can interpret it that way. So then... Coming into it, why do you want to talk to him again? Well, Billy had evolved and yeah. um, we were hanging out in Bali and I'm hearing some of these new ideas and I'm like, and I think, I feel like Billy had gone through a different, a new evolution of himself. Again, another one. Yeah. And um, he's a rapidly evolving individual. And um, so some people find like, just love that and gravitate towards him and yeah. other people that still see him in the old partial light struggle with that. Yeah. So I'm like, how do we bring nuance to the conversation? Maybe lifting, jumping out of the nest, Conrad, pushing me out of the nest to do the interview, Billy. Um, I can bring some form of perspective to it. it it's, a, it's a really interesting listen. So what I'm thinking you though, Conrad. Okay, man. So yeah. you're, you're not as close to Billy. So I'm like, no. I, I feel like, I feel like the, vi- like the video referee would take me off the field. <laughs> biased. Yeah, biased. <laughs> yeah. Get him off the field. I'm curious to see how you went being so close with the ideas I just style. We like to push a little bit. but Yeah, but we're also very time constrained. And okay, I just a few limitations. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually, yeah, you're here. But anyway. Yeah, um, but keep going. How, what are your biases towards Billy? Like my judgments I've got? Yeah, like Billy, known him a while. I really appreciate just how open and honest he was. Early days of the podcast. I love just him just just saying what he thinks so i thought he i think he's a good he was a great proxy for just the human journey of moving from one idea to another it was just it was just awesome so my judgments i think he's a punter that's what i think i think he he's just explain what that means so friends of the show if you've been listening um, a punter is guys like you and me so it's not a derogatory thing it's just we hear something and we have a knee-jerk opinion and we're just firing from the hip so we're both punters and we're people that 
consume information and then throw out an opinion. Yeah, throw out an have opinion. A <laughs> have a gig. Have a gig. A punt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or again, depending like where you're on the world, putting money on something and losing money. That's a punter in Australia. I don't know. Probably worldwide. I don't know. Is it a uni- but there's like punting is literally in the NFL. Anyway. That's, oh yeah. For American listeners, yeah, we give it a punt. For Aussie listeners, we're gambling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I, I wonder ID's just communities is slightly confused. But anyway, yes. so he's he's I think he's a punter, just like given he's just given a good crack, hard on his sleeve kind of guy. I think he's a lefty. Okay, I, more my judgment. I think he's like pretty lefty. I know he's living in Byron Bay, so I've got a lot of judgments. Like if he didn't have dreadlocks, he'd have a unique haircut when you spoke to him. Okay. Um, I think he's pretty out there, like pretty um, out there. I mean, just really all into different ideas. Uh, and what other kind of boxes can you can you play? I've got political box, religious, spiritual. religious. Uh, I think he's probably like new age bar and hippie. Okay, um, they're the boxes I've got at the moment. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's others if if I can think of. But yeah. So I think the unique the uh, character arc that I wanted to take people through with this interview with Billy character arc I like it <laughs> was taking him again touching because you you in your original interview with him where uh, you touched on it lightly of just like the old Billy and how would he see. But I really wanted to take him there, and you're going to find this very interesting okay. of like particularly any of you that have uh, like struggled with your walk or have changed opinion. Maybe you've gone from the left to right politically. Right. How do you process that? And you might have copped hate for that or you might have... Be, like, of course you would because yeah, tribes yeah. don't like letting people go. Exactly. Yeah. So this is what I thought Billy was another great proxy for. He's, which... he's like ground zero for Ideas Digest. <laughs> he is. Because, yeah. because uh, if you listen to the show, I, I hope your mind's changed on something. My, my mind's changing kind of all the time as I listen to people, even if it's just me humanising them going, I don't think they're all that bad. But yeah, like Billy, like ground zero, one opinion to another. I like, I like that. I do like it. So let's listen. Billy, uh, your first podcast caused quite the stir. <laughs> it's an understatement. Um, did you expect it to have that much impact? <laughs> Oh, fellas, fam, I just want to say it's such an honour to be back. I don't know if I planted the seed to have a Billy Otto return, but I'm fucking so honoured to be here. And so I feel like a giddy little kid. <laughs> I didn't know that this was going to happen tonight, but it feels a bit loose and I love it. Um, when it comes to the first podcast, I don't know. There's something within me and within my intuition was like, some people aren't going to take this super well, but then there's also this compounding cadence within my heart that was just like I just need to get this story out I need to be true to myself I think I lost um a relationship that I was in because I just wasn't being honest with myself and I was Mm. trying to be so two-faced and I think that podcast for me was me being honest with Billy was me coming home to Billy was me living in alignment with Billy and Mm. being this is actually who I am these are my colors this is my energy. This is my expression. It's pretty <laughs> wild. It's pretty weird. But this is who I am. And right. this is my journey. And I think it's like I began to see just so many people suffering in silence, man. Mm. And my justice heart and part of me with my pastoral energy, it's just kind of like I wanted to be able to like in a weird way almost be like a pastor to the pastorless. Right. And I knew what really excited me was not just the accolade of like, oh man, he's such a martyr. He came out and got criticism. It's like, no, for me, it was like just the conversations that Mm. it would open up. That's literally like I get excited about making music because it brings people together and helps people to share stories. I get excited about podcasts and conversations because it leads to more conversations and the cycle and the composting, the rebirth, expanding, the evolving, like... I love that. I love that people come to me about particular things that were mentioned and 
it resonates with their own spirit and their own journey. And fuck, that is sick. Billy Otto, like, when that first interview, what mm. I found really interesting is like you name dropping. Do you remember doing that? Name drop you? Yeah, you said Matt Potts. You dropped me in the <laughs> building and I was just like, you Shit. little. Under the bus. Little Billy Otto dropped me in. But in the part that he dropped me in, he's just like, um, yeah, so Matt Potts and my brother, like they were introducing me to some really heavy theology. <laughs> <laughs> so back in the day, I don't, it may not look like for how Billy's looking and, uh, and, and, how, and me hosting this podcast. Take me back to that headspace because I remember a Billy Otto that didn't have his nails polished, that wasn't, had no earrings, wasn't rocking out to people all around the world, um, parting it up like it's no tomorrow. Mm. There was that Billy Otto that was, his knuckles were slightly sore from knocking on doors. The yes. end of the world was impending. Yes. There was a, there, he was wearing glasses to match yes. his hero, David Ashrick. Yes. <laughs> he was on. wearing yeah. just like a real, like a, a collared shirt that yeah. was just slightly, had a weird, you know, like a, like a, yeah. a different sort of design to it. And pants. Pleated. <laughs> Pleated pants and um, like Colorado shoes, um, sometimes wearing a tie even through the week. Yeah, kind of this weird kind of comb-over thing and glasses that I didn't need to wear. I don't know. Like, that was a weird thing. Sure. I, I kind of was like punk rock cult about cool Adventist pastors who were super fucking conservative at the time. Yeah. But I think, like, part of me at that stage was just really looking for role models and wanted to be part of something bigger than myself. I think it's the same energy that gets people in the gangs, to be honest. Mm. Like, when you're told at the age of fucking 18 that you could be God's man for the hour and you're given this accolade in front of 600 people in a city that isn't even your city. I was in Melbourne and I was at AYC conference, this big, bigger conservative Adventist conference. So like some of the Adventists are already quite conservative, often kind of get positioned next to, posited next to Mormons, Jehovah's Witness and conservative radical Baptist communities. But here's kind of like a more conservative arm of Seventh-day Adventist that's borderline independent church vibes and I'm getting these accolades and some people know who my grandfather is and man like the dopamine and the serotonin was amazing and it's like it was I when I was in rock music at 15 16 17 I felt that acknowledgement as a young man and that that accolade from people that I looked up to but it was nothing like the gravity of someone saying to you you could be taking on the legacy of your grandfather who won thousands of souls to the Lord, taking them out of darkness and into the light, into the truth. Man, like I took it all so literally and I was just like, man, if, I think this is true. In my spirit, I actually thought like 100%, like I did my research, I did my reading, I prayed about it. And it was almost like God nearly spoke to me audibly. Wow. That I needed to leave my band and that I needed to follow this calling. Like, yeah. And everyone in my school, I went to a state school, everyone kind of knew. And they were just like, Billy's on his thing. Like they knew that I wasn't going to go back. And I'd preached to my friends. Rock music was evil. And so when you'd kind of planted that seed with my brother and everything, that pops <laughs> was my reason for 10 years out of, in hiatus <laughs> out of the rock music industry. <laughs> Helped me lose a lot of friends. But I'm blessed. You learn a lot about conspiracy theories. Learned a lot about conspiracy theories. Spent like 50 grand on theology <laughs> studies, studying God. Thank you. I could have had a house. <laughs> anyway, 
Here we are. But it's like, but in my mind, it's kind of like I look back and part of me for a while, Potsy, was a little bit resentful at you and Johnny. Johnny, for sure. Like, sure. It was just like, what the fuck was I thinking? Why did it take me so long to wake up to this weird matrix, um, this, this, this vortex that I was in that I was so into? Like I feel like in my later mm. 20s I began to kind of see that I was like living with so much cognitive dissonance, but it's just kind of like... Yeah, it was very different when I was 19 and 20 and 21 and I still don't really know what to think of those times. But for me, I've, I've learned to give myself a lot more grace and be like, Billy was doing the best that he could and I love that guy and it was all perfect. I That's have, where I'm at. I've developed this mental exercise, Billy, because like I'm not Aunt Izzy, I guess. Uh, Conrad loves this. So do I. We love to confess our biases. So in yeah. s- obviously we're too close to confess the biases, mm-hmm. but I have a, a mental exercise. So you're in Melbourne. Yeah. Part of this great crusade. Yeah. You're wanting to get your numbers up, right? Because remember it was all about that dopamine yeah. was like how many, how many like <laughs> contacts you made. And guys, these contacts were like a little bit aggressive on the marketing side. It's just like, hi, where are you from? Blah, 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 blah. Are you interested? Do you believe in God? Yes or no? Remember there was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then it landed with like the left hook, almost yeah. like the South Pole of like, do you want to get Bible studies today with me? It was like, <laughs> really? <laughs> that like was really the funnel, the marketing funnel. <laughs> it was the f- came to this moment of decision. And like, I remember always just like, kind of like clenching my teeth and my fist, just being like, would you ever want to do a Bible study with me? Or, <laughs> but you know, with my little winsome Malaysian face and my little pleated pants, and my Colorado shoes, I was like, <laughs> but I was compelled to face that part of my pride and just be like, that's just my doubt. Yeah, yeah. That's my doubt holding me back. This person is a child of God, maybe in the arms of Satan, or they could be like, they could be whimsically looking towards heaven. Mm. You know, it's like, and I think that was a big part of my heart that was, was about justice. I genuinely wanted people to have a better life. Yeah, sure. Like I wasn't trying to be a c- Like I actually wanted like people to be free. Yeah. And and for me, like the murders up around the rubric was the 28 doctrines of the Sunday Adventist church. And I was like, well, if this is the truth. If this is going to save people from the eyes of Satan, from the fires of hell, like I want that for them. Sure. Yeah. And I would sacrifice this career that I was building and music and getting signed at 15 and just be like, nothing could surmount to seeing people in heaven. Yeah. And it's a beautiful, it's still to me today. Like that's so cute. Like it's so noble. Yeah. You know? And I, so I give grace to myself in that. Like, I genuinely cared about people. So this part of the interview is uh, interesting because I thought a lot about this because I'd done a lot of, um, in a marketing sense, creating testimonial videos. And what the interesting thing is when you're trying to take someone on some form of like a hero's journey is that that original journey out and the abyss that they go through as they find their like helper and the helper takes them through the, the abyss and they come out the other side. That's total marketing eh? and the helper is the brand. The brand or, or whatever in George Lucas or whatever. It's like the guru, Star right? That's Obi-Wan Kenobi was for Luke as he yeah. went out or, you know, Frodo and yeah. Yeah, the whole thing, right? So what people forget though is the abyss. I think like one thing I did notice is like as you go through this journey is it's like they've all, almost like um, sealed off an error of their, their psyche or their heart or that, that part of their experiences where they don't fully want to go back there. It's too triggering. And you're really leading Billy and if you're going for a testimonial, particularly, if you're trying to get, you need that part. You need that part of the story of him identifying with that old part of himself. So through a bit of compressed story, 
I'm trying to get him back to where he was. Oh, interesting. Yeah. This is an ideas digest first. I like, I mean, I pushed you out of the nest, but you show me a new flying style. <laughs> and I'm like, this is interesting. Okay, cool. Because it's, it's a unique, we're looking at the human journey of where ideas lead us. That's an interesting uh, behind the scenes of how you're taking someone and going through the story with them. Yeah, I've done this a lot with, particularly in a marketing sense. And like, so for example, in a weight loss journey, you'd be like, oh, so tell me what it was like when you were like struggling with your weight. And they're like, oh, it was really difficult, blah, blah. But there's like, it's like this part of their mind is on like a safety mm. and you have to go back there. So mm. I quickly try to do this with Billy. This is an exercise I want you to do. So you walk up to a house in Melbourne, yeah. probably just in, in the Sequilla area. You walk up to this house, you hear a bit of, uh, you hear like, a, like a, almost like a band practice happening inside. And you're like, not sure, like you like, you know, cause you love music still back yeah. there. That Billy Otto is like, ah, oh, nice grooving bass beat, <laughs> man, that's sick. Okay. Yeah. But you're not sure if they're gonna hear you or not. So uh, you, um, you know, you tighten up your shirt, you come to the door and you're like, okay, heart's pounding a little bit now because he's a little bit nervous. You've done a 50 other houses that day, not a single one. You want to bring that one story yeah. back yeah. to the small group to say that you've been, you know, yeah. God's done something. So tr with trepidation, you hold your hand up and you knock. Yeah. knock. Did they hear anything? No. Knock, 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 knock again. And then just like you hear a bit of crash, boom, blah, blah, blah. And out comes you now. Yeah. And Billy now sees Billy of old. Yeah. And Billy of old, he's Billy of now. What would that start with the Billy of old? What would he thought when he realized this is he, you know, this is what he's nobly doing now. How would have he judged you in that moment? The way that I have judged the situation and kind of navigated. No, this is you. You know, it's you in the future. It's like, okay, almost yeah, like yeah. it's a prophetic moment. Um, the young Billy. Yeah. The young Billy's looking at you right now. Yeah. The young Billy is like, thinks that dude's cool. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, this dude who wears the door is shirtless and got nail polish and looks like he's done drugs. <laughs> but little Billy is like, um, oh, okay. <laughs> snap out, snap out of that illusion. Um, um, uh, uh, do you attend, um, a, a, a faith community? Um, do you believe that God, 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 God is real? Do you believe that there's one way to the afterlife? Uh, what were you playing? Oh, yeah, yeah, Blink-182. Yeah, cool. Like I would try to relate to them like sure. rhetorically, within rhetoric. But then my, my thought though would still be like, man, that person could have that has so much potential that is lost. Like that sure. person has so much potential for the kingdom or what they could be contributing and how superficial and lost this Billy, like this older Billy is. Wow. You know, and like, oh my God, if only he could have the keys of the kingdom that would set him free from this metaphysic, from his metaphorical prison cell, you know, so. Wow. Yeah. And then what would you say back? Confessing the bias to that, you know, how would you answer that door now? Oh man, I, I would give so much grace. Like I would see that little Billy and just be like, man, that's so beautiful. Like, mm. and like I would, I would literally try to, within my empath self and my compassion and my seeing of him, just be like, when I'm seeing this little guy, I'm seeing myself, he's mirroring to me something. How can I show him grace? Mm. Like, how can I show him grace? How can he walk away from this little interaction feeling loved and not judged by me? He might be judging me. I am choosing to not judge him. Sure. Yeah, that's how I would think, hope that I would do it. And 
like I think in the world right now. For me now, like I just see there's enough division, like social media knows what it's doing, like how it feeds the algorithm, CNN, Fox News, Rupert Murdoch. I don't need to create more division, more hate, more confusion. Like I know that people come from trauma and from these broken situations, from these homes and these stories I don't fully understand. I just would have been like, man, how cool is it? Do you want to come inside? I would have offered him a drink. Mm. I would have offered him some water, sit down, meet my bass player, my drummer. And then the, old, that, the, the older Billy would have been pretty excited. Depending like, I mean, if he was like annoying though, <laughs> if little Billy was annoying and was arguing and using like debate rhetoric to me, like I would be like, hey bro, I just like, see ya. I sure. just like, I, I've learned to build boundaries, but if people have like an open energy for sure, man, like I would have like let little Billy like tag along and I would have liked him to like, just see guys expressing themselves. Cool. On that first podcast, there was part of you that said things like, uh, oh, no, 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 I'm not like that. Like, I don't, like, I'm not, a, I'm not into drugs. And like, yeah. I've only had sex with one woman. Like, you're still holding. John is still my favorite book of the Bible, yeah. is what you said. Like, what, what am I, John. The, John, yeah, 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 John, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, take me through what's happened in the last few years. I think th- the way that I just want to start this part of the conversation, this season two of the conversation is like, um, I really, whoever's listening out there, like, I just hope you can feel safe in this chat. I don't have any agenda. Sure. And I don't really have a lot to gain from this. I love my brother-in-law, Maddie. I love Conrad, old friends of mine. I believe in this podcast and I feel really honored to be here. Um, <clears throat> and, and to add to that as well, like I, I'm not certain about where I'm at right now. Mm. And, and I even get criticism for that. It's just kind of like, you're always fucking changing, aren't you? You don't know. And I'm just like, well, bro, like, I don't care. That's boring to me. Like, for me, I'm right now about expression. I see my life and my heart as a work of art and I am pure energy and I, and I believe that I am um, an expression of God and divinity. And the last two years since I came out in the podcast, that was the first time that I'd gone fully public mm-hmm. and been specific about things that I was letting go of and diving into what I call a Christ consciousness. And some of this is going to sound so fucking woo and I'm okay with that. Sure. I don't even know. And I might change my ideas in a week's time, but right now this is where I'm at. This is where I've been like, you know, I've been channeling and swimming in this certain flow space and seen a lot of great things happen in my life. But honestly, bro, like right now, like it's been a two-year period since I talked to you guys, I feel the most free that I've ever been. Hmm. I just fucking turned 35 and I feel young. I feel a fountain of youth. I feel powerful. I feel like I am in my golden age. Hmm. I fully fucking feel like, like, you know, I wasn't there in the time of Mesopotamia or in Genghis Khan. Like I'm right now in the time of Billy Otto and Hmm. I am so relentless and ruthless about my path. Hmm. And it's the first time that I've fully been like, fuck yeah. Like, look, well, this is me. Like I am in the driver's seat and I've, I've got nothing to prove to you except like all I'm going to do is come home to myself and just be completely me. And that alone has opened up a floodgate of opportunity sure. and connection for me, connection that is meaningful, financial gain, expansion, whatever it is, my business and opportunities. But it really has been like me over the last few years just questioning everything i've believed even monogamy i've questioned monogamy like wow. i've take us through that what what <laughs> idea led you to, to, to question monogamy because by the way on the people pod- out there i've ever, like the last two girlfriends i had i thought they were going to become my wife i'm still a good guy i'm not a byron fuck boy like i'm not like <laughs> I, i'm not super into casual sex but it's just like i like i questioned everything 
taken a shitload of drugs in the last two years. Wow, because on yeah. the previous podcast, you're like, no, you're you're resisting yeah. Cam and that, and and, Co- and Conrad saying no. Like I'm not that Byron guy that yeah. takes hallucinogenics. I was, yeah, I was just like, I, I don't want to be that cliche. And I think that was a part of like a shame thing of just kind of like, am I letting down like my family? Am I letting down my mentors? I'm just becoming that washed up, that cliche story. <laughs> like the Seventh Day Adventist poster boy flying around the world, traveling 40 countries, preaching the gospel, the pastor in Chicago, the chaplain in Campsy, and I'm just this washed up dude wearing fucking makeup <laughs> and just like just. Become from the poster boy to the pariah, you know, yeah. like, like, and so in myself, I felt shame with that. I'm like, I've just become the thing that I preached against for the last 10 years. Yeah. I've become, I haven't become a demon, but I've just kind of like in my mind, I've become that nemesis, that archetype. Um, okay. How can I just like let go of that program and just know that I'm not my thoughts and just like come back to me and just be like, man, I'm literally on a journey to just, be curious and to go deeper into myself. I think that every, I write music for a living and I feel like every song that I make, even if it's for someone else, like it's still just for me an inquiry into myself. Mm. Like me as a rock man geologist going <laughs> into myself, like excavating, fossicking, doing like analysis and like trying to understand my own trauma, like why I get sad and like why life's so beautiful and why sex is great, you know? It's just like, like honestly, that has been the last few years. I can get into specifics, but yeah, with open relating, like with my beautiful ex-love, like start of the year, like I went into an open relationship. And so how, how was your religious programming at that point thinking where you're thinking like, was it the, like, it was this that leap of faith of like, this is totally against everything I've been raised to do, yeah. everything I preached about. Like yeah. that Billy Otto that's gone from doing relationship talks like that has oh, then yeah. transitioned to an open and, relationship. And to add to that, like I lost my virginity at 30. Yeah. Like I was fucking committed. When people say, oh, but you were never really a Christian or you weren't really, I'm like, fuck you, <laughs> like I get to, gave everything. Yeah. I gave up friendships. I've spent thousands of dollars traveling to the world for free. Six years of no wanking. Six years of no wanking. Semen <laughs> bubbling out of my earlobes, you know. <laughs> but, like, I was so committed to this thing. And, like, I cried about how much I loved the gospel. Like, mm. it was so, like, intrinsic to me. Yeah. And, like, I still love Jesus to today. And so, um, but, yeah, but I was so into this thing. And, like, I, I, I would preach about, boy, save yourself for your wife. You know, she's out there. you just got to pray about it. You've got to be faithful. Don't go around like there's this feast waiting for you. Don't stop at BP and Shell and Pizza Hut just eating shitty food, you know, metaphorically. Like wait for the feast, your wife, man. Don't waste your seed. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your broken heart, you know. Like wait for the queen. Call her in, you know. Pray for that woman. I'm so into that and I'm still kind of into that. Like I still think it's kind of true on like one plane of existence but like – but then also within my journey last year is the move into Byron and just becoming that woo Byron guy, like doing men's circles, doing ayahuasca, surfing every day, making music. I became that guy. And I was just like, so far in my life, I, with all these different facets, I've quite questioned everything. Like I've walking away from my faith community was the biggest thing that I've ever done. Sure. It's actually the most traumatic, heart wrenching, um, uh, just, just, just the heaviest thing that I've ever like, like just passed through me and walked through and I've needed a lot of therapy to kind of walk through that and a lot of support. But then also like something like marriage, which is always, I've dreamt about my wedding since I was like 10 and 
but I was just kind of willing. I wanted to be brave and just be like, is this just another program? Like is, mm. you know, re- religion is so big on monogamy. Yeah. So like, and why is the divorce rate? I think it's up to like 65% now, dude. Wow. It's getting like bigger and bigger. And so like, why is it not working? Yeah. And, but that's just, I think it's part of my personality as well. Like this is just how I learn. I learn through mistakes. I learned through experiencing things. I even knew when I was going to become a pastor that like I had this feeling that I wasn't going to be pastor forever, but I knew that I had to do it for myself, sure. even though you'd passed through it and been like, it was fucked. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like you and Sarah were like, you know, not in a great place mentally, you know, and like you guys, you know, but it's like, I knew all that, but it's just like, for me, I needed to kind of like, I've always needed to experience things for myself. And yeah, so like whether it's come to like psychedelics mm-hmm. or transcendental meditation or semen retention <laughs> or um experiencing other countries experiencing certain women like it's just kind of like i need to experience it for myself and so it's just like yeah man g'day i'm troy and i'm brian and we're the hosts of i was a teenage fundamentalist an evangelical podcast we used to be loyal members and leaders in australian christian megachurches but we're not anymore I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist is an honest and hilarious peek behind the curtain at the weird, the worrying, and sometimes traumatic world of evangelicals and Pentecostals. We share our stories, we interview prominent guests in the global evangelical space, and provide a platform for others to tell their stories about their time in evangelicalism and their journey out. Shortlisted at the recent Australian Podcast Awards, I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist gives you a unique global perspective into one of the fastest growing religions in the world from the people who actually lived it. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and IWasAteenageFundamentalist.com. Well, that has uh, this, you know, from your own podcast as well, which everyone should check out, by the way. It's the beginning of us, Billy, interviewing heaps of famous surfers and stuff, which is awesome. Um... You've, you've developed your own haters. And so we love in our show, we like read out our haters. <laughs> Bill, and Billy, this is one of your haters giving yeah. you some tips. He's like, I've observed your journey for many years, Billy. Right back from the serendipity days. Quick context. The old rock Christian band. punk band, 14. Yeah. Great. Through Sick college band. and the pursuit of recognition in the church and now pursuing fame through music again. <laughs> there is a common thread woven amongst it all. A deep desire for attention and validation. I get it. <laughs> he gets it. <laughs> we all have it to an extent, but this podcast was one of the most disturbing attempts at attention seeking that I have ever seen. <laughs> I really hope that one day you can reach an actual point of release from this addiction to ego and public validation. Oh my God, dude. So what do you think of that? How does it feel for you now? I find it cute that people still think like that, to be honest. It's just kind of like, who has the time to fucking say that shit? Like, there's so much going on in the world. Fucking Iran, Ukraine, fucking Elon Musk, whatever, you know. It's just like, fuck, like, why are we... Anyway, but it's just for me, I, I feel like everything that was just said by that beautiful human is just like... Like, for example, like with attention, I remember bringing this idea. I remember it was like, I told someone in I was like, someone told me that my whole life has been like this. I was really insecure about it. It's like, I was, I was told that I was, you know, just really insecure and just attention seeking. Did the Byron guy be like, I'm just watching these energies. And my best mate's wife was just okay. like, Billy, my husband fucking loves attention. There's nothing wrong with it. Go for it, babes. And I was just like, oh yeah, attention's sick. 
Why in my fucking mind have I been so conditioned and lubricated to believe that if someone gets up on a stairs, stair, staircase or something and is just dancing, that that's just them, their ego and their sinfulness, and that's bad? Like, sure. why have I believed that? Like, and especially add to that, Australianism, tall poppy culture, we come from coal mining towns. Of course, like, that's, that's the, the lens in which you read it, but it's just like... I go to Berlin, baby. I'm making hundreds of friends in a week because I get up and dance and get attention and people find it liberating. Sure. It just depends what lens and perspective and angle you're coming from. But man, it's just kind of like, I feel like that kind of thinking was a thinking that I had like 10 years ago. And for me, it was, yeah, that, it was really suffocating just to kind of experiencing life and just to kind of just being like, man, expression's expression. Like you, you look out at a rainforest and in your homo sapien Western mind, you're like, man, this is beauty. Like, this is God's creation. This is tranquil. Oh, my God. When really, on a biological level, everything's fucking killing everything. Yeah. You know? And it's kind of like, but that's just expression. That's just nature doing its thing. And it doesn't make sense. But it's just doing its fucking thing. And when someone is, like, rocking on stage with a bass guitar or a synth... And they're fucking being weird. They're just fucking doing their thing. Like for mm. me, I just want people just to be in their pure energy. I don't fucking care what that looks like. And maybe it might trigger me, but like I'm on my path. I don't have the bloody time to fucking write paragraphs on a Facebook message. Like I'm doing my thing. Like for me now, I'm so much a man on my quest that I'm like, sweet bro, keep talking. So keep saying my name, bro. That's sick. You know, like, uh, yeah, but I just find, I find debates, boring. I found myself when I responded to that initially, like a year and a half ago, I found myself getting defensive and I found myself in a place where I was in an arguing thing. And then, then I started to press against this person. And then I was just like, don't you remember what you said to me? And you, you know, like yeah, I started yeah. playing that game. And then I came to a stage, a state where I was just like sitting on my lawn in my oakum. And I was just like, man, why am I spending hours of my Sunday responding and reacting in this like deep reactivity like i'm just gonna go make art i'm just gonna go be with god and do my thing like and so that that became a very clear milestone ritual case study to be like no like i'm on my path and when you do have some criticism that means that you're doing something like i don't want to be someone who's a numb nice ned flanders just just being nice, hardly ho, neighborino, and just trying to float the boat. I did that for most of my life. Yeah, you did. You know, like where I was just trying to like, and it's still part of my my shadow where I'm such a people pleaser, but like I want to be just relentless, man, for me and for what I see is like true for me right now. And so it's just, it's cute, man. Like when I posted, yeah, that, that one podcast about abortion and stuff, you know, 92% of everything I've said was so affirming and created these beautiful conversations. But that 8% were just like, trolls but like for me it's just kind of like as long as people are having conversations i never want to go back into this guru status i've had people from the age since i was 18 until i was 28 people were coming up to me for all these like spiritual helps you know and even now in the music world and i'm still i still have like a spiritual platform and people come to me but i never want to enter into this guru state where i have the golden bullet and i'm given this unsolicited advice i don't have a clue what I'm doing and I really know what I believe but I believe in love and I believe in you bro and I believe that I'm here and that I'm energy and that's probably all I know right now to be honest mm -hmm. everything else is kind of like up for grabs like we could be living in the simulation I think that's true we could have been planted here by beings from Pallades like I'm so open to all of that to Atlantis theory like I'm so open sure. to all of that but for me it's like 
what I know to be true right now is that I'm here. Like the future is still abstract. Sure. Yeah. The more about, the more that I learn about myself, the more that, that I realize I just don't know about myself. And the more that I've journeyed into whatever this is, is the more that I've just learned that like, I've like there's learning, but there's just like a shitload of unlearning. I've had to unlearn so much. And the more that I simplify and come back to like, if Christians are so big on love and, but you need to spend <laughs> decades of your life trying to study the Bible so you can understand what love is, you know, under a Judeo Christian banner. So it's just a long process. Like I feel like a kid knows what love is. Mm. And so it's like, you talked about childlikeness, which I love and childlikeness I believe is different to childishness. Mm. I want to rid myself of my Peter Pan of my prince and I want to come into my king more and more. And there's still like parts of my Peter Pan-ness that I'm just like, I do need to grow up in parts of that. What that guy said to me, it's probably true, you know? It's like, but for me, it's like, I just think life can be so much less complicated. Like I think when we get beyond CNN and Fox and mainstream media, like we're just talking about how much everything's going to hate the world. We're going to get vaporized by nuclear attacks and Russia. It's like, oh my God, you get frazzled, you get anxious and you're like, oh man, what do I know? I need to know and I need to create a conspiracy about, you know, like Davos agenda, you know, you just get chemtrails, you know, you get so into this space where like everything's fucked and like everyone hates you and it's like, you know, but it's like, again, when you talk to people in the street, most people love everyone. At the end of the day, bro, I went to a wedding the other day and like these business guys, like, they own every sick club in Sydney. They're like in their 50s, 60s, 70s, but they're fucking legends. And they just embraced me like a son-in-law that day. We're just talking and they're generous. They're inviting me over to the house. Love, you know, and I felt it. I think you can just feel love. It's not complicated. Sure. You know, and so for me anyway, it's just kind of like, for me when I'm doing psychedelics, when I'm doing ketamine or MDMA or like these like certain things, people call drugs, I call it medicine. For me, it's like, it's just an inquiry into like, how can I just come into stillness? Like I think stillness is more powerful than power. Mm. For me, stillness, like being safe with Billy, being safe with spaciousness. You know, Rumi said that there's space within the layers of the baklava. You know, I mm. just love the poetry that's about this. Like at the end of the day, the winners are those that are pressing into stillness and space. Sure. And I think you can see it in people's eyes, man. You know what I'm like? I'm such a feeler. Like I'm such so much about energy and stuff. And I just like, so many of you are probably thinking that Billy's so woo and that's okay. But it's just <laughs> like, I want to live my life like it's a wonderland. And I'm like, I'm a hopeless, hopeful romantic. Like the world is completely meaningless. And that's where we build meaning from. I love it. Like I feel like on one plane, none of it makes sense. On one plane... Love and God is completely true. I think it all. I think fairies and goblins are real. Like I think all of it's there, but right now it's just like I want to live my life still as like a beacon of light, as a child of God, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, hide it under a bushel. No, you know, like I'm gonna like let my light shine. It's beautiful, and I want to make money from just letting my light shine. I'm not gonna go back to a nine to five. I'm not gonna like work with the man. Like I'm fucking gonna work four hours a day make a lot of money and that's what I'm going to do because of energy. And I think energy is like, is currency, you know? I want to go back to the drug thing because before yeah. you are quite adamant last interview that you don't do it, you didn't want to fit that, that profile. Yeah. And I guess like we could talk a lot about it, but I want to talk specifically about psychedelics. 
Yeah. Because it's got so much media attention at the moment. People are doing, you yeah. know, studies like, you know, Scandinavia is looking at it, utilizing it. Yeah. Uh, Oregon has just opened it up. So it's, yeah. it's, it's hitting press. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, and so tell me, because for me, Billy, just these are my unconscious biases that I have towards it. Yeah. Is that when I, not from you, I've heard from other people, it almost becomes like a religion. This is me outside looking in. Yeah. So I'm not saying that I understand it and that's a fair point. So take me as the, the learner driver and understand this. Because I just see a lot of religion. I see a lot of people just saying, for example, I can't date anyone else unless they're done an ayahuasca ceremony. Mm. Like take us into that mindset. Like what is going on? Because I know you have deconstructed so you, you can identify some of the, religi the religiosity of it. So take us as a tour guide as to what one of those ceremonies looks like. <laughs> the good, the bad and the ugly. Um, yeah, man. Like when I was like... You know, it was all in COVID that all this stuff started to happen for me. Like it was in lockdown that I was doing ceremonies and stuff. That kind of, you know, period of time where we were being cradled in these pockets, living in the country. Like everyone left the cities for a while. Um, but yeah, my first ayahuasca experience, which was probably like three months after I was interviewed by Ideas Digest. Sure. Um, and I'd inquired about it, but my the girl that I was like seeing at the time was like, had like some shifts that had happened, which sounded like amazing. So I'm like, yeah, like I'm going to press into that. Um, thought about it, surfed about it, like meditated on it. It felt really right. And I felt like called almost by like an entity that I was supposed to do the ceremony. And you called us actually. I remember you calling me just saying, I just want to say I'm doing this. I'm like, okay, is yeah. it going to be safe? Yeah. Okay. And I appreciate you checking in on that and just, yeah. And, but yeah, I remember that time. Yeah, and I, I was actually I even remember worried. You, you telling me that you were there with me or something like you saying that you like energetically you were there, there like holding space. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Which is really cool. So Something like that. So yeah, but like went into like a kind of a TP kind of thing um, in this forest, like behind the Gold Coast um, in like a yurt. It's like a Mongolian kind of yurt. And um, there was like a Brazilian shaman. There's like 10 of us, beautiful people, some indigenous presence there as well, 10 or 12 people. And we're just listening to like frequency music, some chanting music. And like I took a bunch of cups. There's like three to five cups that you could take. And it was just profound. Like I could just feel in the room energetically a lot of things were coming up, people vomiting, like having to shit out a lot of stuff at the toilet. But you're surrounded by like this rainforest and peacocks and it's like you're in this never-never land. But I remember what, like eventually I was just like, I was waiting for like two hours, nothing was really happening. But then I just went deep into this state and it was like the most out of my body that I'd kind of ever been. It's kind of like I went into this underworld. Wow. And I saw like a sequence of my life I saw issues of my trauma with parts of my you know, family stuff. I saw like, um, I saw past lives wow. of myself. I believe like it could be b bullshit. I don't think it is, but yeah, I, like reconciliation for stuff that had happened with my ex, exes. Um, and I remember just feeling this deep sense of like ancestral manhood kind of come over me for like the first time in a long time because wow. I feel like I just felt so sanitized and sterilized and emasculated as a man for so long um just so confused and then I just felt this wolf energy and these aboriginal boys these warrior men were just because I was rolling around almost like I was possessed <laughs> these fellas were just pinning me down wow and then just blowing didge over my didgeridoo. gut didgeridoo um, and just this one guy, Jackie, was just like, you just need your brothers. It's all you need. We got you, bro. And I was just like, like it just felt like wow. there was these things that were coming out of me that had been holding me down. Wow. 
You say dark energies? Dark or energies, yeah, maybe. Yeah. And then I came out of that and I just purged. I felt this voice say, like, it's now your time to purge. And I was pooing out a lot. I was, I don't project, project vomited out into just like rainforest palm. But then this deep release came and I started just like crying like a little girl, like a, wow. like a five-year-old girl and just felt this deep feminine love come over me. Like I just let go of like a huge weight. Mm. And then I just started singing. I started howling like a wolf and I was just like rejoicing. And yeah, it was crazy, man. And, and, I, and I saw visions of myself when I was 16 at the Planet Shakers, like a Hillsong Pentecostal event. Wow. When I got slain in the spirit by evangelist Reggie Dabbs. Wow. There was a moment, yeah. That's and, so and this vision came to me where he put his hands on my head and I got struck to the ground, slain in the spirit. And my ego said, look how silly you were. How did you give into that bullshit? But then the medicine said to me, Billy, you've been open to spirituality your whole life and it's a blessing. Huh. And so things like that like gave me a lot of grace towards my journey. Sure. Which again just made me go like, oh man, like this, this Western um, mindset and perspective of, oh, you spend all your time with this, that means it was a waste of time. You mm. could have been making money. You could have been like, no, it's just like, I think it was all perfect, man. I think my teens and my 20s were just all like me just working myself out. I think I chose my parents. I think I chose to be in a, in a, in a quirky religious community growing up. I think my soul wanted to experience that. That's honestly what I've come through and come to. And I don't know if that's what anyone else listening to this believes. But that's just what I've come to now. Um, <laughs> so. so I guess it comes back to a... Um uh, you know, like it's a it's a, like a synchronism of uh, like Hinduism, like uh, Buddhism, and just a you would say maybe animism or like First Nations pantheism. Yeah, um, and so it's a whole because I feel like the the ingesting of these medicines like way predates Buddhism and Hinduism. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, personally, yeah, yeah. I think it could be like something like fifty thousand years old. Some some of this plant based medicines, especially plants like ayahuasca. But yeah, but the next time that I did ayahuasca was weird. And we're in this bigger TP, but with like 60 people mm. and I was forced to kind of sing these songs and I found it really annoying and some of the singing was out of tune by these worship leaders and the guru did, walked oh, wait, up. Worked, sorry, can you just take us in? So you feel like there was like a church vibe going on? Like yeah, you, you it was sort more of a church vibe and I think it was more of like what they call like a daimi. I wasn't told that though, that it was like, like the daimi is almost like an amalgamation of like, more like Catholic mystic and ayahuasca huh. kind of, I think, cause it's in Brazil. It's in like different communities that are kind of see this as Catholic, but they use ayahuasca and there's kind of like pews and stuff. And there's like, it's almost like this marrying of like Spanish colonial and animism. And wow. It's, yeah. It's, it's really beautiful in its own way. But this one experience for me, like where I felt so clustered with these people I didn't know, and we all had to share what our intention was. We all had to share like all the darkness from our ayahuasca experience and we're kind of forced to sing these songs and I just kind of felt personally that I just felt a bit coerced huh. into it and this person that was leading the ceremony just had too much of a guru status. They rocked up super late. They forgot ayahuasca. They had to walk out of the tent. We watched just like learn some shoes. programming. I'm just kind of like... I've done this since I was six. I've been running programs since I was like 10 all around the world and like this is really sloppy. And like I've paid five hundred bucks to be here, bro. <laughs> uh, 
Like, yeah, especially for you. Like, I remember like, when I told you this, you're like, what? Coming from like Pentecostalism, which is like, yeah. Pentecostalism is so on the program. There's like, Excel like spreadsheets. This is 30 seconds over time already. Yeah. yeah. Already we need to stage, have a discussion. The stage manager is getting sacked the next week. Yeah. But the fact that every, like, it felt like everyone was just given that much grace to the situation because this person is this person. Yeah. And they're called by this energy for this moment. It's like, oh, I'm just like, and that's where I was just like, I'm done with guruism. Wow. And I want to know how to grow my spirituality um, and to cultivate my spirituality without joining a cult. I was just like, that just came to me. It's just like, I don't want to join a cult again, but I want to cultivate like I'm a farmer, my spiritual bed within my heart. Like I really want to do that. But I was just like, I'm just Mm. done. Like I just, for me personally in that moment, I was just like this like nonsensical, illogical, allegiance to this kind of leadership here just seems really blind sure. and i'd seen that kind of be destructive to me growing up in the church yeah and i'd seen it as abusive and i was just like so you'd see it like it was almost like a, a renewed even though a lot of these people here if they yeah. filled out a thing they would be against centralized power and whatever yeah. Yeah. you felt that there was like a, almost like a central a centralization going on around this guru around this yeah for sure this liturgy you would say liturgy the ceremony and there's almost like a do's and don'ts kind of energy like her assistant was just like, and like, you know, like I only go up now. Hey, like I, sometimes I plateau, but like I'm always going up. And like one sip of alcohol can bring you down and you don't know what you're letting in after that. Never do alcohol again. There was just like this whole anti-alcohol thing. And I'm not like a big drinker. Like I didn't drink for like my whole 20s. But I got triggered, bro, mm. when someone was telling me what to do and what not to do. I was just like, oh. Did that take you back to those? took me back to St. Adventism, took me back to Hillsong stuff. I was just like, no, like I left that stuff because I wanted to like be in the driver's seat. I wanted mm. my own sovereignty. Like I wanted like Billy to kind of drive this thing. I wanted to like come back to my divine intuition to my heart center. Like that's what I want. But like whenever people are trying to tell me what to do, what to believe politically, mm or what to read, or that Russell Brand's the only way. Like, I love Russell Brand, but I'm like, man, like, I'm on the Billy journey there. Sure. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm just, like, I think from what we grew up with, bro, for me personally, I'm like, it's very clear the culture that I don't want to have in my life as far as my dependence on external sources. Sure. Yeah. So you would say, um, just to understand, you're saying the externalization of, cent- like, the, you'd say the indoctrination process of, like, and the centralization of truth. You yep. would say is yep. a toxic thing going on here. Pretty like I'm about values. Like I'm about marriage. I'm about families. Like there's some traditional values that I really love, you know. But like, but I mean like dogmatic centralization. Dogmatic centralization. Yeah. I think is really dangerous. I think that kind of stuff starts wars and it burns witches. Interesting. So, not all trips go well. You hear yeah. the people yeah. that have just taken it and they're just like, they're they're yeah. indoctrinated into it, into this yeah. new way of thinking, this new way of seeing the world. But it doesn't always go well. Yeah. Can you take me into a bad trip? Because I remember yeah. when you came and you shared with Sarah yeah. um, what happened and I was actually pretty blown away by what, yeah. what you're about to tell us about. It was really mind-blowing for me. Yeah, I just done like a... Considering our background that this is yeah. all satanic and you're opening yeah. yourself up to evil spirits. Yeah, and even that as well, like it's still not something that I take lightly. I, I'm like, when I'm taking these medicines, I'm like... Man, like I try to set an intention. I don't often do, I don't try to just party for the sake of partying and just like, but for me, it's like, I know that 
I do believe in entities and I do like even coming from like an Islamic background through my mom. It's like, I do believe in kind of like these jinn. The jinn, yeah. Yeah. These jinn kind of dark entities, like call them demons. They could just be like, you know, broken ancestral spirits from the land. And I think you can open yourself up to be quite vulnerable to some of these darker energies. If you're just being like really frivolous with these things. But what happened with me? I don't think this was like a, necessarily a bad trip, but it was just like, it was a moment in time. I'm just going to read a, a couple of things that happened where I took, had a friend, I, I took more mushrooms. A friend, a friend of mine took me to like a friend's, you know, house. We we're listening to like the Triple J's Hottest 100. Started this, started this year. Slightly triggering. Slightly triggering. <laughs> and then I was just like, okay, yeah, we'll take mushrooms. Cool. I was like, I'm familiar with the area. But it was fine. Like everyone was cool. But I started to feel really uneasy. I was like, I need to drive home. I probably shouldn't have driven home because I was like a little bit you know, a little bit wired, you know, from these mushies. I got to my ex's place though into her, where she works and I fell on this bed and I went into this deep state of like dark processing and it almost felt like I was entering into this abyss that I could never escape from. Wow. And my friend, one of my best friends who took the same mushrooms felt suicidal. I felt really suicidal. He went to like Lennox Head and... Yeah, he nearly wanted to go and yeah, so like so brutal. And then I I started penning all these notes that were just coming to me and I was just like, am I depressed? Did I kill someone? What are these voices? What is this? Am I dying? Did I die? Dad, I'm 34. <laughs> like this thing of like, where are you come proud from? of me? I, where did that come from? Deconstruction, anti-vax, end of the world, yeah. animals dying. What is this mess? Like, can anyone else see this? You know, and like... And then I was just like, am I normal? Normal, like. But then I wrote these things that I was just like, I want to kill myself. <laughs> this is all a simulation and I'm done. What is his body? Like the darkest things I've ever written. Am I crazy? What is this wetness? Like, because I was sitting on this bed and it was wet and I was just like. And then I said to myself, um, like it was almost like I was like enunciating to myself, like I was going to like end up like a, like a junkie druggie and there was a fear of that a lot of this language kind of came up and again came up like what are these voices am i crazy and um and then i said to myself did i embarrass anyone am i a narcissist do i just crave attention <laughs> your old friend yeah he's coming in get this bro why do i want to die so much whoa yeah um and then I wrote some like really like poetic things. Um, but it kept on coming back to this thing of like, am I depressed? Like, I feel really scared. What about I, that section about at the, because you've been yeah. to like the cafe that day and there yeah. was like a section on that. Yeah. And I said, um, I bought myself a muffin today and I bought myself a chai with coconut milk and it was really cute. I sat myself by the side of the road and some people looked at me, do they think I'm cool? Did mm. I do something wrong? I was only asking for a serviette. What even is that? And so it was just like, I felt like for me, like it kind of brought up all this like mm. heavy, like insecurity. Like it was really beautiful. It's just kind of like that stuff to me doesn't just come out of nowhere. It's kind of like that's process. You're not a melancholic by nature. Really. Yeah, like I'm so positive. Yeah. Like, and you know that about me. Although, like, I write these like broken love songs and things, and I listen to sad music and I make sad music. Like, I genuinely like 
I'm so excited about my life. I genuinely feel like I'm the luckiest person in the world. Like mm. I live in that space. But to kind of have all this kind of stuff came up, come up for me was like a beautiful like mirroring and a beautiful testament to like just beautiful little, you know, little boy parts of Billy that haven't been like really seen and, mm. and reconciled. So, yeah, like, um, yeah, but I came out of that pretty rattled dude and I was like, well, will I ever do mushies again? But it kind of told me to kind of maybe reverence the medicine a little bit more because mm. I actually did take those mushrooms at like a gathering. It wasn't like a ceremony or something. There wasn't like an intention or like a protective element about it. Um, yeah, so it did kind of rattle me for sure. So someone that's, <laughs> you keep saying like you personify the, you personify the story. Yeah. Um, but for you, this has been so liberating mm. and this has been such yeah. a pathway of you becoming yeah. more and more and more yourself. Yeah. Um, mm. can you put that down? Do you feel, has it been something you would say that if you were to someone listening to this right now, where are they on the world? Friend of the show yeah. is listening going, wow, I want to take that leap myself yeah. Yeah. into not necessarily doing drugs and yeah, open sure. relationships. Yeah. It's just like, it's more just becoming more about themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. what is the, is there like a central thread in that? Or do you think it's all just too individualistic? Is there a central thread of an idea? Is there a central thread of a, a philosophy or, yeah. or, a, some form of self-discovery that you think is important before you go on this journey? Cause it's been quite the radical change yeah. in you since yeah. the previous ideas digest. Cause like one of the, the biggest compliments that I've had, like even though it was my birthday, like four days ago and the amount of people that were like, man, like, I just want to thank you for being radically yourself. Mm. And I do see that as like a huge compliment. I love it. That, that kind of compliment where it's not just like, look, all the stuff you've done in your career, man, look at the brands you're working with, you, all the countries you travel to. So sick. But like, I am on like a radical pursuit for Billy. Like I'm on a radical odyssey, like going to battle for Billy. Mm. And that feels awesome. And, for me, like, I don't even think that medicine or drugs are the answer, but it's like, for me, it's just been a tool. For some people, it's floating tanks. For other people, it's transcendental meditation. For some people, love it's... Love floating tanks. Yeah, love floating tanks. But, like, whatever that is, like, I'm just about that. But I do think it's like, you do need to create space and you need to set intentions of, like, it's 2023 in a couple of weeks' time and I'm just living on this conveyor belt in society, just doing the rounds, working in a job that I like 30% of the time, working five days a week, nine till 6 p.m., looking forward to my Saturdays, having to work on Sundays still with a husband that I half like. And they're just living these, like, they're almost like these, it's almost like the walking dead mm. of humanity. People just kind of like, this is what I'm supposed to do and this is the narrative that's fed from the West. But it's boring and it's sad and it's unsexy and people just like, I don't even know who I am. And then I had kids and now I'm even more lost because I've just like given all my attention and energy to that. And so, I don't know, man. Like for me, it's just been like I, when my ex-fiance broke up with me, that was the catalyst for me. I don't think for everyone they need to go through a crisis. I think you can actually like see it. And, and like guys like Eckhart Tolle are really big on mm. that. You don't need to wait to hit rock bottom so that you change your life around to 180. But for me, I think I'd kind of ignored the voice for so long and was so dishonest for so long within my cognitive dissonance and my confirmation bias. And it was just like, like the love of my life at the time saying, no, like I'm leaving you and we need to cancel the wedding was like the thing that made me go, 
or I'm either going to go to Mexico and get like fucked up and like, you know, get hookers or something. No, I probably wouldn't have done that, but like I would have gone rogue or I could go like a Russell Brand direction and start meditating and go gluten free and stop masturbating and, and like fully no go clean. And I went through like this dopamine detox mm. for like two months to change my life. And that was the thing that started to help me to be more honest with myself and honest with my platform. And that's when I started to write way better songs. I wrote Chemical that year. Oh, wow. And, and people saw this vibrance and this honesty, I believe, coming out of me that started to become, you know, people find energy contagious, like high energy, you know? And it's like, so that was like the beginning of me, like coming into my second half of life, I believe. Awesome. And that was even before ayahuasca and stuff. But I don't want to say to close up with like the thing with medicine and drugs. I had this experience in Berlin, dude, six weeks ago where I saw I was really high and I was at this club. I'd taken it consciously. I was like, I'd taken ketamine or something. It was amazing. It was beautiful. But then I saw this being in this visualization, like running like 10 meters ahead of me. And it's almost like I was a drone or like a falcon just trailing behind. And I looked over and it was this tan dude with hair and with earrings and it was Billy. <laughs> and I was like, Billy that found himself. dude's sick. <laughs> and then I was like, and then I went, and I went out of my body into my body again. And I was like, that's mad. <laughs> and it's like, but then the thing is coming from Newcastle, from a blue collar Commodore Hilux town, it's like, to be stoked about yourself and to celebrate your this incarnation or manifestation or just being you is like it's so hard to say that. Sure. That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. I'm that, glad you had that experience. Yeah, but like I just want you guys, people just don't love Some themselves. of you guys are so shocked and like need to have a shower <laughs> from the things I've already shared, but like genuinely, like I love Particularly being those me. in the conference office that'll Yeah, say. yeah. I love you guys out there. I'm not gonna name I'm not gonna throw you under the bus, but yeah. For me, it's like do you love yourself? Even Jesus said the words like love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I didn't even realize that until my thirties of like, mm. I was teaching so many people to love like Jesus loved, but people just didn't love themselves. Mm. And so you got these broken traumatized dudes that are out there trying to change the world, running around going to these countries that are just so fucking broken that like fucking this and that, like just like got that many issues that they haven't resolved, got that many unsuppressed or got that many suppressed emotions um, and, but I think like a deep love for me has helped me to make like the best art has helped me to wake up in the morning and be like, I'm going to go surf because surfing is like my time. Mm. I'm going to take Billy out in the date. I'm going to get a coconut chai. Yeah. This is me. Like what is going to really edify Billy? Not just edify the church. Like what is going to edify Billy's soul today? Like, and that has been a fucking game changer. So this part of the interview, um, I've really, like, I think in the original interview, um, I guess a traditional format with Billy of, like, throwing ideas at him. And I could see him, he's a soft soul, like, he's a real feeler. So I just wanted him to talk. So we've gotten to this point, but I had within my, my back pocket is a Mm. grenade, which is a question from you that you'd recorded. Oh, Conrad grenade. A Conrad grenade. Okay, yeah, I remember recording this. You know, I wasn't just completely flying (laughs) on my own outside of the nest. There was the mother (laughs) bird was kind of (laughs) sweep in for a little bit. (laughs) From a distance. Look at him go, I'm proud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And so this was an quite an interesting question and I'm curious as to why you asked I'm trying to remember what it was, but yeah, let's take a listen. Do you, when you're looking at your past journey, do you consider yourself susceptible to extreme 
ideologies. Like if you're if you're going to be part of a community, you're going to be a hundred and ten percent in. How do you navigate? Like, do you see yourself as being someone drawn to that world? If so, how do you navigate moving forward with the knowledge of yourself moving into new worlds and new spaces? Like, um, great question, Conrad McCaskey calling in from Melbourne. Thank you for dropping the line, young man. Okay, so yeah, long story short, yes, I do. Hmm. I see myself in a seat of my brother too. <laughs> but I think it's really funny. That's a whole other podcast. And I don't we even know, like, if you guys met my mom, bless her soul, best human on the planet, she does too. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, there is this, I don't know if it's like a punk rock thing where it's just kind of like the world's against you, don't trust anyone. Mm. But I do see that within myself. I know that deep down there is this like little conspiracy theorist that's just kind of like needs to chill out a little bit. But that's why meditation has been good because like whether it's religious meaning-making machines that we are when we're in the church. You can also be like conspiracy meaning-making machines from this other side. You can also be like guru meaning-making machines. Like there's always a story that you need to create. You need like there's reasons for this. Like, blah, 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 create a dogma about it. But like that's why I think, Conrad, for me personally, the more that I kind of see this all as like a simulation and as a bit of a game, the more I just find it fun. Like and that's why I just like I I, I very much right now don't like – pin myself and say this is what I believe and try to convince people because it's just like for me it's like things are very organic like I am nature and nature is constantly changing every Mm. seven or eight years my body is physiologically completely changing Billy you always change your beliefs and I'm like awesome you know like I also change my wardrobe like every year too I love it like I love change I love buying and selling cars like I love shit, you know? It's just like I love change. I love like dating new women. Like I love that stuff, you know? But for me, it's like I do see within myself this thing of like jumping into extremes and there is this part of my ego that's like, oh, that would probably get attention. Like the whole shock clickbait ding. Yeah. I see it and the algorithm loves it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think it's just also fun, you know? I like being quirky. I'm the kind of guy, I'm playing with three bands in a night in front of a couple hundred people at a big pub and I'm going to be the most extreme expression of art that night. So I'm just kind of an extreme person. Like I dress yeah. big when I go for a coffee in the morning and I've just also come to terms with that and haven't been hard on myself anymore. But when it comes to ideologies, I'm just like, I feel like I'm softening up more and more to be like, I don't care anymore, to be honest. I'm drifting into a place of like ideological agnosticism, not agnostic about God so much, but just about like, I'm okay to be like a bit of a fence sitter and just be like more of a stoic about it be like, you know, yeah, sure, bro. Whatever your thing is, cool. Um, But the thing that I do care about people and their freedoms, like I do care about people following their journeys. I do care about people and their gut health. Like there's things that are very real to me. I'm not just a poet, but like for me, I just really, I'm so sensitive about jumping into being a missionary again and becoming colonial. These are my ideas. They're more superior than your into your ideas. Let me convert you. I'm so averse to that, to be honest. So, Billy, if yep. you write some amazing music, we want to know where to find that. Because I know a lot of this comes out in your lyrics and your songs. <laughs> um, where do we find you? Um, we'll obviously, link your stuff in our show notes, but tell us where to find you. Yeah, fam, I have a song called Magic and it's all about seeing. If you, if you can see the magic in yourself, you can see it in other people. And, um, yeah, 
songs to me are always testaments of, in, like in time of, of where I'm journeying and things that I'm unlocking within myself. Um, shifts, riffs, death within myself. Um, yeah, you can find it on Spotify. I'm going to release a song in Channel Feb called The Sound, which is all about hearing the sound of consciousness. Um, I write a lot of love songs. I deal with a lot of my my heartache through my songs too. But yeah, guys, Instagram and Spotify, all the stuff's there. I'm going to be touring a bunch next year. I have my own podcast. But yeah. The beginning of us. Yeah, the beginning of us. A lot of episodes coming next year. Wow. Was it a the return of Billy Otto that you wanted? Yeah, like, and more. <laughs> I was... For a long time, wanting to play that that episode. Too. Yeah, we've had it banked yeah. for a little while, and I'm 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 glad you did it. I'm glad you showed it to me. Like little birdie flying away, good interviews, like different, Thanks, like different style to me. But obviously, I think it's also good because your interview was an interview of a personal journey. Like normally, I'm unpacking ideas and I'm challenging ideas, and I try and weave the person in. But this was all about the person, Billy who, I, I don't know, friends of the show, let me know, like, I feel like on some level, like, ideas aside that, that different people have, um, we can all kind of see ourselves in Billy, just mm. we're all trying to learn, we're all trying to discover all the issues he touches on with, like, sexuality, open relationships, um, beliefs, God, religion, like, the, the, this is the questions everyone's asking, and I really appreciate... Um, whatever anyone thinks of his ideas, the thing I appreciate the most, which you pulled out really well, was this is a guy asking questions on a journey. And I just, the thing I love most about Friends the Show Artists Digest, people like Billy, is like, there are questions we all have. Let's just take him seriously. And the honesty and vulnerability he brings, I think make, like, in, like, in some ways makes me go, yeah, like, mm. maybe I could be more honest and more vulnerable in, you know, with people, with mm. the questions I'm asking and the, and the journey we're on. So uh, good, like different style for a lot of like the Ideas mm. Digest stuff. It's not around an idea, it's around a person. And I think that's the ultimate Ideas Digest thing of like, here are all these ideas we can see, but then here is the person and look at, look at how the person has changed. I mean, in another five years, we're going to have the full evolution of Billy. Billy 3.0, like, I know, I know he'd be up for it. The, so. the whole Pokemon, like yeah. from Charizard to yeah, friggin', yeah, yeah, yeah. Frig, I don't know, my yeah, Pokemon. Yeah. I know what you're yeah. saying. The thing is as well with Billy, like the reason why like you can listen to both episodes is that I feel like he's a guy that's really, um, not many people fully see that part of his soul. Mm. Like um, where they may see him on Instagram, it's like, like performing or something totally. like that. And it's like maybe the public like, image, like, oh, look image. how cool he is. Yeah. Or like, oh, why is he doing that? Or why is he dancing like that? Why is he wearing that? Um, these could be some of the judgments or like why, you know, which is a similar judgment people had with me is just like, oh, you used to believe that. Now you believe that. Oh, you must be. We've got to write you off now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, that behind that is a, a human on a journey. And oh. because he's so him and he's extreme and beautiful in that, I feel like he, he's, he like lives multiple lives in one. <laughs> like, oh, mate, I'm counting so, four. <laughs> yeah, I know. And so it's almost we can listen to him and we can, like almost by proxy yes. experience these ideas. Because he's quite honest. Yes. The level of honesty I love about him. And he's not thinking, and I that, mean, it, I guess he's free from some of the community that would have judged a lot of what he's saying. Like he's talking about drug use, um, swearing, like he's just kind of just expressing himself. Very and, fluid spiritually. And that can challenge people as well. So I can understand, you know, as people look at it, they place themselves against him or, or with him or and I can see why he can 
I see why this is potentially another episode. <laughs> that's going to spies are going to report back around. And I've already lost my job, so you can't take it away from me again. <laughs> well, essential. I guess I try to tie it together at the end. You would say, like, obviously there was so much stuff that we could we could have just dived in for hours. Yeah. But the thing I was trying to tie it back to is like. We are all on that part. I know Billy's an extreme. Like I had that grenade ready for the extreme yeah. thing because this is what I think a lot of people would have been listening to to the interview, thinking, like yeah. thinking, what? Like this is so extreme. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm like, I'm, but do I'm you have the truth moment. now? Do you know yeah, that yeah, you yeah. might where, not have the truth? And people ask that, but like, where are you at now? Or yeah, like, yeah. and like, if you receive that question yourself, you know, it's like a very like if you're processing something, deconstruct, yeah. or whatever it is that you process, you're going through, changing theology, mm. whatever, um, is that amongst that. I think his central idea was letting go, mm. like uh, that roomy art mm. aspect of like that space he was talking about, that space mm. for him. It's very Eastern. Mm. Uh, I think the central idea I got out of that was that the more he had let go, the more he'd been himself, the more he'd been out being honest, the more he was able to be brave enough to explore that part of himself that he would mm. never have been able to in other context. Mm. Really pushing against this idea that when I'm talking to people, friends of the show as well, we love to pitch, myself included, you included, we love to pitch that where we are now is the final destination. Exactly. And I think you can only enter into this ideas digest practice and podcast that we that we kind of do by holding ourselves a little bit loosely. Like exactly. uh, Matt, we're trying to do that and go, well, I think I'm in the middle. Like we're all in the yeah, middle. Exactly. And I think, yeah, Billy really communicated that that part of his journey is going, you know, I'm here now and I really believe it. But if obviously if we could, if Billy has been kind enough to be the proxy of like, he went from here to here, here to here, then I guess where are we all going to mm. be in five years time? And remembering that when we listen to someone we disagree with and go, imagine if in five, year, five years I agree with them. Mm. <laughs> That's a sobering, humi- uh, a humbling thought mm. to, to keep in my mind when I'm talking to people that might challenge me or something like that. So, and Matt, you and I are going to keep talking. Billy brought up some interesting ideas i got some strong opinions on it. Hmm. I might have some strong opinions too. And if you're a super friend, you will be able to get access to that bonus content that's going to keep going after this. And if you believe that more conversations and more understanding is better than division and ignoring people that you disagree with, then consider becoming a super friend. Helps us keep the show going. If you, if you think this is a valuable thing, then your contributions really assist us. I'd love to know um, anyone that listened to that story, the whole thing of that journey arc I was trying to take Billy on, did it land with you in any way? Or did you just find it completely offensive? We'd love to hear from you. Super friends. I wish at the beginning when he's like open relationship, part of me was like, 